Chapter Sixteen of the Wishing Horse of Oz by Ruth Plumley Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Beth Thomas. Chapter Sixteen: The Seer of Some Summit. Since coming to Oz, Dorothy had travelled in many strange ways, but to find herself shooting through the midnight sky in Bitty Bit's tower was surely the oddest of all. Both she and Pigasus stared from the window in wide-eyed wonder as the tower uncoiled and started shrinking rapidly backward. "'We may as well go home at once,' observed Bitty Bit, rubbing his little hands briskly together. "'You are much more interesting than sea serpents, and I can easily look for sea serpents some other night. Now, don't be alarmed when we bump.' "'Bump?' repeated Dorothy rather nervously. "'Of course,' the sage told her calmly. As I go forward, the tower stretches out in any direction I wish to go. When I return, it shrinks, contracts, and retires within itself, like a telescope. And by the time we reach the castle, it is no larger than an ordinary tower. Hmm, better hold on to something. We're almost there. Running around the circular room, a few feet from the wall, was a golden railing. Pigasus had just time to hook his wing around this railing, and Dorothy to seize it with one hand, when Bitty Bit's tower, with a resounding crash, snapped back but up in a vertical position, so that what had been the floor of the little room became the east wall, and the window a skylight. Dorothy and Pigasus, describing a complete circle on the bar, landed in a more or less upside-down position on what had been the back wall. "'That's why I have it cushioned,' explained the seer, who had also executed a neat somersault. Hopping up, as if landing on his head was a perfectly usual and ordinary occurrence, Bitty Bit opened a trap-door in the floor, and motioned for Dorothy and Pegasus to follow him down a long, winding stair. "'These magic contraptions will be the death of me,' wheezed Pegasus, picking himself up with a groan. The cushioned floor had made his fall painless, but he was considerably jolted and upset from the shock, or rather the series of shocks that had so far punctuated their evening. "'But if he's a seer,' whispered Dorothy, recovering her basket and trotting eagerly after Bitty Bit, "'he ought to be able to help us a—' "'Bitty Bit,' sniffed the pink pig. "'Well, if you'll just help me to a bit, I'll be satisfied.' And grunting and grumbling, he clumped sleepily down the stairs behind Dorothy. The room into which the stone stairway led them was evidently the cosy and comfortable study of the comical little seer. Its walls were of oak, lined from floor to ceiling with books, and all its furnishings were tan or brown. Dorothy considered this extremely suitable, as Bitty Bit himself looked like a very wise and merry brownie. On his little round head was a round cap with a yellow quill, and he wore a brown wrinkled robe, rather like a monk's, tied tightly round the waist with a yellow cord. His bright, black, sharp little eyes danced with good humour and interest in his sun-tanned, honest little face. While Pegasus stood sleepily and somewhat disapprovingly on the hearthrug, Dorothy sank into a snug brown armchair and looked expectantly up at their singular host. "'No, no, not a word,' begged Bitty Bit, raising his hand pleadingly. "'Remember, I am the seer of some summit, a seer who can see and foresee, a seer who can tell and foretell. Just by closing my eyes I can tell who you are, whence you came, and whither you are going.' "'Fancy that now,' observed Pigasus in a mocking voice. "'You,' retorted Bitty Bit, pointing a skinny brown finger at the pig, "'you are a creation of my friend, the Red Djinn, "'whose taste for low verse I always knew would lead him into some mischief.' "'Low verse?' retorted Pigasus indignantly, "'while even Dorothy looked a little shocked. "'Yes, low verse,' insisted Bitty Bit solemnly. 
You are so constructed that he who rides must rhyme and break into foolish jingles. Is this not so? They may be jingles, but they are not low verse, protested Pigasus, flapping his ears angrily. Well then, let us call them simple verses, amended Bitty Bit with a generous wave of the hand. At least, they are verses that anyone can understand, which of course makes them of no value whatever. People never appreciate what they can understand. Dorothy does, declared Pigasus, now mad enough to fly right out the window. Dorothy, ah yes, I was coming to her. Swinging round, Bitty Bit, his eyes still tightly shut, wagged his finger at the astonished girl. You are the mortal girl who came to Oz by cyclone. You live in the Emerald City of Oz and are... Oh, tell us something we don't already know, interrupted Pigasus with a bored yawn. Where is Ozma of Oz now? How could a scullywag emperor steal her throne? Wait, wait, give me time. Not a word more. Not a word, panted Bitty Bit, advancing with short dancing steps toward Dorothy. I, I see a necklace, he muttered mysteriously. One, two, three necklaces. I see a white horse and a fat, red-faced fellow wearing a small emerald crown. Great sea, bass and sassafras. Oz has been conquered. Its inhabitants enchanted. Its rulers banished. And the king of Scampavia sits on the throne. So that's where he comes from, breathed Dorothy, forgetting Bitty Bit's request for silence. Oh, quick, tell us more, tell us more, and help us restore Ozma and the other lost sovereigns to power. I am only a seer, answered the sage, opening his eyes wide and suddenly. I can see and foresee, tell and foretell, but I cannot change that which has happened, or is about to happen. But where is Ozma? demanded Pigasus, edging closer. If you're a seer, and can see her, at least you can tell us where she is. In this way, Pigasus hoped to check up on the information given them by Potoroo, the Gnome King's wizard. So again Bitty Bit closed his eyes, and pressing his fingers to his forehead, spoke. Ozma, my old friend Jinnicky, the Wizard of Oz, a soldier with green whiskers, a purple horse, two queens, two kings, a prince, the tin woodman, and Glinda the good sorceress, are lying at the bottom of Lightning Lake, which is on the top of Thunder Mountain, Bitty Bit told them solemnly. Lightning Lake? cried Dorothy, seizing the little seer frantically by the shoulders. Why then, they must be drowned, burned, and destroyed altogether. No, no, they are quite calm and as usual, Bitty Bit assured her hastily. In fact, they are, I should say, in a trance of some kind. But what'll we do? How'll we disenchant them or find Thunder Mountain? Loosing her hold on Bitty Bit, Dorothy spun round three times and then started firmly for the door. My shooting tower will take you to Thunder Mountain, or any other place you decide you must go, promised Bitty Bit, hurrying anxiously after the little girl. But not tonight, Dorothy, not tonight. We are all tired and I must have time to think. The conquering of Oz is a great shock to me. I would like time to look into the matter more fully and consider all these strange events in their proper order. This problem shall be my pillow. I'll sleep on it, my dear, and in the morning we'll doubtless have something helpful to suggest. Well then, where are the beds? yawned Pigasus, who heartily approved of Bitty Bit's suggestion. Or are we to sleep on our problems too? At this, Bitty Bit, who seemed to find Pigasus terribly amusing, laughed right out loud. Then taking Dorothy's arm, he led the way to a snug little bedroom all done in yellow. Pigasus had a gentlemanly apartment in tan next door, 
and both were so weary they spent little time examining their new quarters, but instead went directly to bed and to sleep. When Dorothy wakened the next morning, she looked out the window and saw Pegasus flying in slow circles round the tidy castle. Bitty Bit's brownstone palace, though small and unpretentious, perched right on the top of some summit, and the view was so fine and the mountain air so fresh and invigorating, Dorothy, in spite of all her anxiety and worry, began to feel happy and reckless and ready for anything. With cheerful little glances round her cosy yellow room, she dressed, brushed her hair till it shone, then skipped merrily down the brown marble steps and out into the garden. The garden, really a series of sloping terraces, was bright with hardy mountain posies, with spicy sage bushes and gnarled old trees, which clung like acrobats to the steep rocks and dangerous crevices. Pegasus, catching a glimpse of Dorothy seated on a smooth rock near a waterfall, came swooping down to wish her a merry morning. "'Not a bad little palace,' remarked the pig considerately. "'Not a bad little palace at all.' Though, as far as I can see, there's not a man-servant, nor a woman-servant, nor even a ladybug about. I imagine this fellow is a hermit, and from the looks of him, probably lives on tobacco and snuff. What do you suppose are the chances for breakfast? I don't know, said Dorothy, refusing to allow such a small matter as breakfast to dash her spirits. Have you seen Bitty Bit this morning? Yes, sniffed Pegasus, beginning to poke his nose hungrily round the roots of a dwarf oak. Before I flew out my window, I saw him going into his brown study. Seer goes into brown study. How's that for the first announcement of the day? You're awful, laughed Dorothy, giving Pegasus a little push. No, just awfully hungry, grinned Pegasus. Now, I've been thinking. No. Stepping out from behind a sizable bush, Bitty Bit regarded the pig with an air of assumed amazement. He says he's been thinking, he repeated, turning solemnly to Dorothy must be the air up here. That's about all I've had, retorted Pegasus, savagely crunching an acorn between his teeth. That and a nibble from one of your sage bushes. Sage bush, hey? chuckled Bitty Bit, winking at Dorothy. That's good. We'll make a sage of you yet. A sausage? He whispered in an undertone that Pegasus heard quite distinctly. And speaking of sausage, how about breakfast? Though Bitty Bit's remark about the sausage still rankled, Pegasus was too hungry to let it keep him from following the seer into a small walled garden that opened out from the larger dining hall of his castle. Here, on a small table covered with a gay yellow cloth, was assembled the most appetising breakfast Dorothy had ever tasted. Ripe melon and apricots, cereal and eggs, tiny meat pies, pancakes and honey, hot rolls and steaming brown cocoa. There was a huge bowl of mush and cream for Pegasus and another of buttermilk, and under the soothing influence of his favourite foods, Pegasus completely forgot his annoyance, and they were soon chattering away like old friends at a Sunday school picnic. Bitty Bit's chef, whom the pig had overlooked in his grand tour of the palace, served them with skill and speed. No wonder Pegasus had not seen him, for he was even smaller than his wrinkled little master, and almost completely enveloped in a great brown linen apron and a tall brown cap. Dorothy could not possibly eat all the dainties pressed upon her by the kind little seer and his chef, but she nibbled at each course, and when Bitty Bit saw that neither she nor Pegasus could down another bite, he swallowed the rest of his cocoa and bounced briskly to his feet. Now, he cried, tossing away his gay napkin with a flourish, now for the Emerald City and Oz. But I thought we were going to Thunder Mountain, exclaimed Dorothy, pushing back her chair so hurriedly she bumped her head on the wall. That 
exclaimed Bitty Bit, looking over his shoulder, for he was already halfway through the door. That will not be necessary. All we need to save the celebrities of Oz is the long-lost wishing emeralds of Lorna the Wood Nymph. Lorna? coughed Pigasus, rolling out of his seat and falling a bit sideways. For pretty sake, who's she? Oh, come along, urged Dorothy, and without wasting another second, she pelted into the brown palace after Bitty Bit. With a groan, Pigasus followed, and groaned again when he realised he would have to climb three flights of marble steps and a flight of stone to reach the famous shooting tower. Then, suddenly and joyfully remembering his wings, he spread them wide. Wings, hold me up, mumbled the pink pig stuffily. We're carrying entirely too much mush. Rising rather uncertainly, he breathlessly flapped his way up to the tower room, where Dorothy and Bitty Bit impatiently awaited him. End of chapter 16